You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, after the massive uh, Jair news, we've got some more really big news today. Um, this via Packers Wire and Zach Cruz. Packers fill open roster spot by signing long snapper Jack Coco. Yes, I'm kind of being sarcastic, but if this dude can be a good long snapper, I'm going to call that big news, like, for real. <laughs> Part of the story they've got here is a tweet from some guy I don't know that says, this story deserves more attention. Jack Coco was a walk-on offensive lineman that transformed into a scholarship tight end and just signed with the Packers as a long snapper. Jack, you're the definition of defying the odds, and I'm thankful I got to coach you. And eh, We don't need to read the rest. But the point is, this guy's willing to do whatever it takes <laughs> to get where he wants to go, and that's, that is kind of cool. A little bit more about this story here. It says that he was in Green Bay for a rookie minicamp as a tryout player and will now take a roster spot vacated by uh, Jameer Johnson. He's going to compete with the uh, the great Steve Wirtel. says, Coco, who doubled as a reserve tight end while at Georgia Tech, played in 39 games over his final four seasons. Georgia Tech's school website recorded Coco without an errant snap or punt or field goal. Ayo. <laughs> I don't, I don't have too many long snapper metrics to give you, so that may be as good as it gets. Um, no errant snaps according to the source, which is Georgia Tech, which kind of reminds me of how Cuba has like 100% literacy, you know, if you catch my drift, but uh, we'll take their word for it, I guess. I mean, Georgia Tech, not, not Cuba. I don't take their word for anything. Coco snapped in high school and arrived at Georgia Tech as an offensive line recruit. He eventually lost over 30 pounds and transitioned to tight end. While still handling responsibilities as a team primary long snapper, he earned a full scholarship before the 2021 season. I should send Coco a DM. See how he lost 30 pounds. (laughs) Uh, More jokes. Um, Coco is a Georgia native. He's listed at 6'2", 232. We like the Georgia boys, man. We do. In Green Bay, Coco will join former Yellow Jackets teammate Tariq Carpenter. Packers seventh round pick in the 2022 NFL draft. Best friends. And yeah, I'm digging around a little bit trying to see if I can find anything interesting. Um, He does have, he had a 65 special teams grade. The strange thing about it, 52 snaps, all of them were on kick return. I'm pretty sure you don't play snapper when you're returning. Snap it to the opposing team so they can punt it to you or what? I don't know. Must have been when he transitioned to tight end, I guess. Um, in 2018, um, all of it was field goal kick, so that presumably was long snapper. He did get a 69 overall grade, so basically a 70. 
next year, 32 times at a 66 overall grade. 2020, uh, 37 times, 62 overall grade. So, I don't know. I don't know. Again, the, the special teams grades are pretty much everybody's a 60, unless you're just purely garbage or are a freak. So, that's that's why I get excited when I see, like, a 69 overall grade. Like, dude, that's... Uh, that's better than like 95% of Packer special teamers. That's great. Well done. Some more really, really big news. The XFL, uh, now owned by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, has reached a multi-year agreement with ABC and ESPN who have exclusive broadcast rights for the 2023 to 2027 game day content, tentpole events, and more. Each season's 43 games will be aired and streamed across ABC, ESPN, and FX. That's kind of staggering. You know, the, the biggest issue with the XFL or any of these kind of um, shows is that nobody watches them, so they don't make any money. But if you're a year out and you can get a major television deal, it's a way to infuse a little bit of cash into this. Um, I don't know how you convinced ABC, ESPN, and FX to take these games. It couldn't have been that big of an amount of money, I would think. But uh, that's your one shot, man. That's your big infusion of cash. Now you got to make a product. And again, I'm I'm beating a dead horse here, but I don't know how you do that. How do you build a good product? Never really seen one. You're not even competing with the NFL. You're competing with another scrub league and their scrub players. I mean, you know, very, very good in comparison to the rest of the world. You got to throw that caveat in there because I know there's seven people listening that are like, oh, he's better than you. <laughs> okay. That's relevant to the conversation. But the fact that it's 2023 through 2027 is pretty bold. Because um, do these things usually last more than like a year? I don't know. I, I Whatever. XFL is planning to kick off the ret- uh, return season on Saturday, February 18th, 2023. Super Bowl is on February 12th, 2023. XFL starts immediately, af- uh, immediately after six days later. All right. I guess that's, that's one good thing. And, and listen, I'm rooting for it because I want it. I want year-round football. I want, when the Super Bowl is done, more football, more good football, more enjoyable football. Um, I just, I don't, I can't imagine. After you just get done watching the two best teams with all the best players in the, hist- in the, in the world right now competing against each other, we're going to tune into, like, you know, maybe college-level competition, like four third-string guys that rem- we remember from five years ago two coaches that's like oh yeah remember that guy he was really bad in the nfl like 10 years ago i bet he's gonna be great because you know he's done it before i don't know everybody says that uh donald trump ruined the whole what was that the american football league or whatever that dumb thing was because he was super greedy and wanted to like compete with the nfl and go out and pay really big players and all that i really don't see any other way that these things succeed maybe maybe i'm wrong i just if it's me i think that's the only way and i don't think you're gonna win that battle but, you know, you've, you've got these NAL things with college where you can throw money at these kids now. I don't know how you get that much money, but you get, like, a big prospect. You know, we got two big quarterbacks coming out. How much is the NFL going to offer them? Can you offer $20 bucks to one player? I mean, I know the answer is no, but to me, that would be the only way to gin up, like, massive excitement, right? C.J. Stroud signs with the XFL like dude you gotta it's it's must see TV now you gotta see this now there's there's gonna be the other issue of CJ Stroud like playing like a college kid against middle schoolers but CJ Stroud for those that don't know is probably the number one quarterback in next year's class I actually have Bryce Young higher on my 
2023 board, but that doesn't, my board does not yet factor in the fact that he's like five foot 10, which is going to hurt his draft stock. But let's see, Trevor Lawrence, just, just out of curiosity, when he signed, he got a four year, $36.793488 million contract, $24 million signing bonus. So this dude got $24 million right up front. But that's kind of the majority of the money he's going to see until he gets his next big contract, because there's only 36 total. It's all guaranteed, but you got uh, half that over the next, you know, well, four years in total. So I suppose if you could just give him a $10 million a year contract over four years, it ends up being more money. I don't know. I don't think anybody's going to try that again, but I I just think if, if you really wanted to gin up excitement, get guys to commit right out of college to the XFL. Not saying I even want that because it's going to suck for the NFL. You know, I mean, imagine if the Packers are picking 25th, and not only do we have to watch for as 24 players leave, but you got 15 guys going to the XFL. It's like, dude, this is garbage. Your first round picks are consistently second, third round guys now. I'm just thinking if I was running the XFL, what I would want to do and just playing second fiddle to the NFL, hoping that we can get some scraps and then, you know, which is a strategy that has failed like 50 times in a row. It's becoming an annual tradition watching these leagues fail it's just it's just a thing that we do now but also get really excited because this time it's going to be different it never is i know covid blah 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 it wasn't good all right i'm sorry a couple other little notes that i uh picked up along the way geronimo allison is a falcon so kudos to that guy spent a lot of time trying to convince packer fans that geronimo isn't as good as everybody thinks he is but i always like geronimo i just got caught on the other side of the fence because he caught that one pass that one time and packer fans lost their mind but uh, Geronimo's a good dude. And then shout out to uh, MB on Twitter who tagged me in this. This is somewhat unfortunate. Um, 2021 NFL season, explosive play rushes. We already know the run game was not as good as it should have been. The Packers ranked or tied with 25th overall with 15 explosive play rushes. I don't exactly know what that means. I'm. It's probably 20 yards. That's what the passing is. Maybe it's a little less because it's rushing 15 yards. I don't know. Oh, it is 15 yards. It says it right there in front of my face. Rushes of 15 or more yards. The Packers ranked 25th with 15. For context, Josh Allen by himself had 15 rushes of 15 yards. So, and, and this was always my biggest issue, and, and I understand we've already talked about it, and Coach Hahn has already said, listen, this has to do with cohesion, you know? It's hard to kind of get these guys, this mishmash of constant revolving door, you know? So maybe it'll get better, I don't know, but this has always been what's missing. You know, Aaron Jones and, and A.J. Dillon do a good job of making something out of nothing. That's been A.J., that's been Aaron Jones' specialty since he got here, right? When he first got here, the biggest thing he did was he would constantly break to the outside. The offensive line did a terrible job of run blocking. I mean, horrific. And he would bounce to the outside, and that was the first year that he ended up getting, I think, 5.5 yards per carry. And he was also injured that year, so I I, I said, listen, this is completely unsustainable. Um First of all, nobody rushes for 5.5 yards per carry like as a as a career. Can't happen. There's been like two or three in history. And the other thing is uh, all his runs were to the outside, which again is just really unsustainable. He's got to learn to run between the tackles, blah, blah, blah. But long story short, the next year he did the exact same thing, 5.5 yards per carry. But even now, I mean, his specialty is slipping between cracks that look like they're not even there. I mean, just just making things look easy when there's just nothing. But he shouldn't have to try as hard as he does to make something out of nothing. There shouldn't be so much nothing that he has to make something out of. 
And A.J. Dillon, as we know, he gets hit one yard in and he pushes for three more for a total of four yards. Congratulations, that's cool. But it also kind of sucks. 15 times, that's less than once per game we get a big run. That kind of sucks. Buffalo did it 33 times. Indy and Philly, 32 times. Indy, by the way, and this is the other thing that sucks. Indianapolis has a running back that is really, really talented that everybody knows about. Everybody knows how good Jonathan Taylor is, right? Everybody's screaming about what a great pick he is, what a great player he is, and all that. A lot of that has to do, partially because he is very good, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's got a great offensive line and the production is there. And if I ever tried to put, I mean, amongst Packer fans, fine, I can do it, but if I ever tried to go out, let's say on my YouTube channel, and say that A.J. Dillon is just as good, if not better, than Jonathan Taylor, they are going to lose their freaking minds. Just like when I tried to convince people that Rashawn Gary was actually a pretty good player, despite the lack of any production whatsoever, and even Packer fans tried to skewer me for that. Because there wasn't the production. But that was based on limited opportunities, and it's kind of the same with A.J. Dillon. If you look at his grades, he's one of the best running backs in all of football. The problem is nobody's seeing any production because the offensive line is ruining that for him. Just for context, and and please understand, Dalvin Cook and Jonathan Taylor ran the ball a lot more than any Green Bay Packers players. So that's that's first of all. Uh, Jonathan Taylor had, uh, let's see, 332 attempts. Dalvin Cook, who we'll look at, had 249 attempts. Aaron Jones had 171 attempts. And uh, A.J. Dillon had 187. So it's not even really close. However, just just for fun, um, looking over at SIS, the number of times that the, the ball carrier was not contacted in five yards. In other words, you ran for five yards before anybody touched you. A.J. Dillon had that 14 times. Aaron Jones had that 26 times. Um, if we scroll way up here, Dalvin Cook had it 43 times. Jonathan Taylor had 54 times when he got five yards before anybody touched him. Again, that's, that's largely based on volume. But still, when you see the, the difference in statistics, A.J. Dillon uh, had that 7% of the time, Jonathan Taylor 16.2% of the time. If you give A.J. Dillon, and I'm not even saying I want this, I'm, I'm just trying to explain, similar to Rashawn Gary, when he didn't have the, the amount of attempts, but on a per-attempt basis was doing a good job, if you gave A.J. Dillon 332 attempts and 16.2% of the time he got five yards before anybody touched him, if you look at how many times they got 10 yards before anybody touched them, and maybe some of this is A.J. Dillon's fault because there is a big discrepancy between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, but A.J. Dillon got 10 yards before anybody touched him six times, A.J. Dillon one time, Jonathan Taylor 21 times, Dalvin Cook 20 times, 10 yards before anybody touched him. So I don't know. I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm alone in this. I just, I just wish we had a little bit more of that, I guess. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm not alone. Everybody would like to see a little bit more of that, but maybe people don't care as much as I do about that. I get excited about it, man. I'm not even trying to get into the weeds about the numbers. I don't care about all that. Well, that doesn't necessarily help you win. It's all about passing. Dude, I don't care. I just want to see A.J. Dillon rip off a 45-yard run. That's it. That's all I want. As a fan, I just want to see it. Is that all right? Can I just be a fan that enjoys stuff? It's like when a, when a safety comes down and just lights a guy up. Is that going to help us win the game more than if we just tackle the guy, just a good form tackle that brings him down? No, but I still want to see it because it's awesome. So anyways, with that, I I, I do want to say thank you guys for um, a lot of you guys have been tagging me and stuff and sending me stuff. And 
Um, sometimes I can be more responsive than others, but it really does help me, you know, when it comes time to record the podcast to be able to see these things because I can't see everything. I, I, I missed this thing from Matt Bowen talking about the Packers rushing. And I even got this article sent to me uh, from PFF via Mr. Numberman. It says, the NFL's best cornerbacks in press coverage, Xavier Howard, Jamal Dean, and more. Um, the reason he sent it is because Eric Stokes is on this list. The list is, and this is their coverage, in order of coverage grades, Xavier Howard, Bradley Roby, Marcus Peters, Ross Cockrell, uh, Cam Dantzler, Xavier Rhodes, Darius, sorry, I'm, I'm getting notifications on my phone. I should pay attention to the podcast here. Darius Phillips, and then Eric Stokes, and then Shaq Griffin, Jason Verrett, and Ronald Darby. Um, Eric Stokes had a 73.7 overall grade. Again, this is in press man coverage. 24.1% completion percentage, which on this list appears to be the lowest of anybody. Forced incompletion, 17.2%, which seems fairly high, higher than everybody except, I think, four of these guys. Passer rating is a 43.0, which is one... There's only two guys that are lower, Xavier Howard and Ronald Darby, so that's the third lowest passer rating, which is you want to be low on that. And then yards per coverage snap. Again, I can't sort because it's it's just like pasted in here. But it's .6. It's low. Here's what they wrote about him. Green Bay Packers rookie Eric Stokes showed up very high in this list, improving as, this, as the season went on. With Jair Alexander just outside of the top 10, the Packers could have one of the most formidable duos in the league when playing aggressive press man coverage on the outside. So in other words, obviously Jair isn't really on the list because he was hurt all year, but they're saying he's he's right around a top 10 corner when you're talking about press man coverage. And Eric Stokes, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, what did I say, eighth? So if Jair is 12th, <laughs> we've got like two top 10 corners in press man coverage. Um, let me look at a couple things here really quickly because I know I can look at man, but I don't know for PFF if press is a part of that because I'm just curious what their stats say in terms of man coverage. Because if that's the case, then I apologize that I missed that for not paying attention. So in um, man coverage, Eric Stokes ranks 28th with a 63 overall grade. Um, Kevin King was sixth. (laughs) So yeah, press man and man are obviously very different things. Um, Eric Stokes had a 70 overall grade, however, in zone coverage. Most people are better in zone, so he actually ranked 42nd. So although he was good, he ranks lower because, I mean, let's be honest, it's easier. (laughs) I'm sure somebody's going to try to skewer me for that, but go talk to these press man corners that can do it and be like, yeah, but so-and-so's a really good corner. Yeah, dude. But you line these guys up, these these zone guys up in man, and they fall apart. You know, Casey Hayward, love Casey Hayward, right? Really good corner. 84, second highest zone coverage grade. He did it 71.6% of the time, so he's mostly in zone, but in man, 57 overall grade. Carlton Davis, um, he has a 82.4 overall zone grade primarily plays zone 41 man coverage grade. So that is kind of interesting because, again, Eric Stokes, not super high in man coverage, but you put him in press. I mean, he is a big dude. He's a big dude and long arms, and the fact that he's got the speed to, to recover. I mean, one of, the, one of the difficult things about pressing a guy, not only do you need to be physical on the line, but it's dangerous if you got a guy with speed and he gets behind you. Do you have the speed to keep up with him? Stokes does. By the way, he's only in man 21% of the time. So um, a nice little nugget from PFF, because again, that's information I could not have given you because they don't have that on their site. They just have man, and from everything I can see based on just man generally, he's fine. Certainly is an eighth. 
And then I can go to SIS, but they don't have uh, press coverage on here. You can pick coverage schemes, you know, cover zero, cover one, cover two, man, cover two, cover three, cover four, cover six, uh, blah, blah, blah. But they don't have press on here necessarily. So I can look at man coverage, but again, I can't really give anything as far as press. But we'll save that for another day. I don't feel like going through all that right now. But again, thank you to everybody that's sending me all the great content. That's that's good information. It is, again, a little bit unfortunate that he doesn't do it a ton, but it's good to know that he can. And and like they said, Jair, we know, is really good at that. Razul, probably not as much, although that's kind of based on narrative. I don't know that information. Sometimes we run with certain narratives that don't end up being true. Like when we all thought Mike Pettin was more of a man corner guy, it turns out he was like the third or fourth most zone-heavy defensive coordinator in the NFL. Like, oh, okay. I don't know. That's just what people were saying. But yeah, if we do look at PFF, Razul Douglas, 71 overall grade in zone, 51 overall grade in man. So anyways, it's kind of interesting. Um, and I look forward to kind of digging into that a little bit just for fun. And I shouldn't be doing this because I'm supposed to be doing a podcast and then I got to go to work. But I am kind of going through some of the coverages just to see what they do more of and less of. And I can already see for example, and I just have uh, Packers, Vikings, Colts selected from when I was doing running backs, but um, Packers were the highest in terms of cover one and are the lowest in terms of cover two. And then you start wondering about, is that going to change with the linebacker that we got? Are we going to be doing more of that? And what does that mean? And da, 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 da. But again, this is where this is where I need Sam to just hang out with me in the base. Like, I don't know if he just needs a room to rent. Like, dude, you want to just like crash in my basement so that when I have questions... It doesn't have to be weird, man. You could just hang out down here and I can ask you stuff. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Least amount of cover two, but man cover two, number one. Interesting. Anyways, that's enough of that. I got to get out of here. Why don't we take a break right here? We'll come back and um, I have some comments on a video that I saw yesterday that I thought was silly, say the least. Uh, please remember to check out Drew's GoFundMe over on uh, my Twitter. It's pinned to the top over there. We had a big flurry of donations, which I really, really, really appreciate. Um, we've got, let me just look at it here. Dennis, this is within the last 24 hours. Uh, Dennis donated $20. Carol, $500. James, $20. And Lily, $20. So the, the fundraiser is up to $5,500. So we are um, less than $2,000 away. The total goal is $7,400. Uh, Drew posted an update uh, a couple days ago, said, we hit $5,000. Thank you to everyone who has donated, and especially thank you to the Packernet Podcast. It feels amazing to have so much support. So um, thank you guys very much for all the support you've given to Drew. Thanks to Dennis, James, Lily, and especially Carol for the, the really big donation. But um, even, as I said, even a dollar. As much as $500 is massive and awesome and, and beyond amazing, this is a volume thing. You know what I mean? This, 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 to, to be able to hit these goals is about the number of people more so than the, the big numbered donation. As I said, if everybody listening gave a dollar, he would be able to get two dogs. So something to think about. Don't forget about amodernfrontier.com. Great place to buy you a big old box of meat. You can get a box of frozen meat delivered straight to your door. Shipping is included in the price, and if you use promo code MEATPACKER, one word, all caps, you get $25 off your order. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. But I don't know. I mean, I I look at it and I go, this is not a 13-win team. I said the other day, I'm like, and this might get me in trouble, but I said Green Bay doesn't win eight games. Oh, my gosh. I just said it on TV now. Why would that get you in trouble? I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. I I have a feeling like. Spend some time on Twitter. (laughs) No, join me, Aaron Nagler thinks they're going 17-0. Now you want to sit here and say they're not going to win eight games? Show me where the matchup is for Green Bay. Like, it's always been Devontae Adams and then everyone else. Aaron Jones can get off and he can have his yards. I just don't know if I see that, like. Aaron has historically, uh, it's taken him a while, even with Devontae Adams. But they, they had 400 yards receiving. But Devontae they, is rookie year. But he, also, he already has a rapport with Alan Lazard. He does. And, and that's the one thing. And Aaron I Jones, with that. And, and Aaron Jones will be big out, out of the backfield. And well. they don't ask him to throw as much as you think that they do. Like, if you look at it, oh. they run the ball a ton. A.J. Dillon had close to, or at least 800 rushing yards last year. They do. They do run the ball a lot. I, but why am I having to defend the Packers? Uh, no. What are you doing to the Packers? No. What are you doing to me? this in here uh, make you feel better. He's trying to help you out. Let's change the subject. This guy has every reason to freak out. Just had a little freak out, that's all. Don't freak out. I don't want you to freak out. We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay? They always freak out when you leave the scene of an accident, you know? <laughs> Probably freak out and blow up the whole town. We thought you might freak out. Please do not freak out about this. Promise not to freak out and kill us? Please do not freak out. I don't know. I'm trying not to freak out about it. I'm going to lose my mind. So eight games, huh? Packers are not going to win eight games because they don't have Devontae Adams. By the way, you know it's a really bad take, take when Adam Rank, who is one of the most biased, I mean, openly biased. The only good thing about Adam Rank is that he just flat out says, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Bears fan. I mean, his YouTube channel is just 
his entire wall is covered in uh, Bear's stuff. So uh, he's at least blatantly honest about being a massive Bears homer and hating the Green Bay Packers. So I can give him that. But you know it's a bad take when Adam Rank is on here saying that's kind of stupid. The Packers are not going to win eight games because of Devontae Adams. How many different ways can you approach this? Let's start with the fact that six of our games are Vikings, Lions, and Bears. Even if we say we're going to split with the Vikings, okay, we're going to split with the Vikings. I promise you we're going to beat the Bears twice, okay? Two, that's three wins. The Lions, I, I, okay, we split, fine. Four wins. We're halfway home. We're done. We're basic. We're halfway done. That's it for our wins. And again, I'm trying not to take the low-hanging fruit, which is that this is once again the media's obsession with wide receiver. It just is. They're obsessed, 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 obsessed. 13 wins, 13 wins, 13 wins. We lose one wide receiver. Not even looking at the fact that we added like seven more wide receivers. None of them are Devontae, but the point is, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You lost a wide receiver, your team is doomed. You're done. It's over. It's just crazy to me. Week one against the Vikings, week two against the Bears, week four against the Patriots, the Giants, the Jets, Washington, the Lions. I mean, where are all these losses coming from? Lions, Vikings, Dolphins, Bears again. We got Eagles. And if, if, if the issue is wide receiver, fine. Who are the Bears wide receivers? They don't have any. What about the Patriots wide receivers? If you don't have a Devontae Adams on your team, you don't win eight games. I'd love to see how the math turns out on that, by the way. I don't know if you're even going to be able to do that. You can't have that many losing teams. But the Patriots don't have a wide receiver, so we beat them. Because, I mean, we don't, we don't either. We have no wide receivers anywhere, obviously. But we have a better quarterback and clearly a better defense. So we're, what, 2-2 two and two to go through this? Because Tampa has wide receivers and the Vikings have wide receivers, and that's the only thing that matters. Um, the Giants we're going to beat. The Jets we're going to beat. Washington does have good wide receivers. None of them are Devontae Adams, but Terry McLaurin's pretty good. Is that good enough to win? I mean, do we just put that in the win column for Washington? Because although Carson Wentz is their quarterback and, you know, they don't have, uh, you know, quite a few other holes that I can point out here. But, I mean, Terry McLaurin ranked 18th. Is that, is, should we just call that a win? Because that's all we're looking at today is wide receivers. It's the only thing that matters. So we've got four wins. We're going to lose to the Washington Commanders. Obviously, Buffalo is a loss. Detroit, can I call this a win? I mean, we're splitting, so I'm just going to go ahead and call the first one a win. So that's five wins. Dallas has wide receivers we lose. Tennessee, I mean, I can't give Burks any credit because we got a rookie wide receiver too, so they don't really have wide receivers. They lost Julio. They got Robert Woods, but, I mean, the guy ranks like 30th, and he's 500 years old. Do I have to give him credit for that? No, I mean, you could point out the things. Tannehill's an underrated quarterback. Derrick Henry's a good running back. They got a decent offensive line. They got some reasons to like them, but we're, all that matters is wide receiver. They don't have it, and we have a better overall team, so I think I'm going to take the win on this one. I'm sorry. So that's six. Philadelphia's got kind of a bad team, but they got wide receivers, so I guess we lose this one, right? I mean, Jalen Hurts is not a super great quarterback. Um, they don't have a running back situation, and the defense is a disaster. In fact, their secondary is one of the worst in football by far, but they got A.J. Brown, 
So, and then on top of that, Devonta Smith had a good rookie season. I mean, he ranked 22nd, which isn't elite, but you assume a second-year leap, which I guess you can't assume the future because, again, the Packers got some wide receivers, and we just have to assume they're going to suck. So Smith probably just has to stay exactly where he is. But still, you got Brown, at who was the fifth best, and Dallas Goddard was the second best tight end. So, um, you know, that's a win. So I guess we're still at, what, five? Bears again, that gets us to six. The Rams are a loss, probably because they have Cup. I mean, you know, the other guys are trash, but Cup is obviously going to get you there. Miami is just a straight-up trash team, but they got Tyreek Hill now, so, you know, and and Waddle wasn't bad. I mean, you know, again, 18th overall, 78 overall grade, solid, um, and we can't assume any more growth, but, you know, top 20 on top of Tyreek, who's top 10. So we lose that. Obviously, we lose to the Vikings because they have wide receivers, and then we lose to Detroit. You're, you know what? In fact, you're right. We don't even get to eight. We don't even get close to eight. Because we can't beat any of these teams because we don't have a Devontae. And any team with wide receivers, in fact, I kind of just skirted over the Giants and the Jets. I don't know, man. I mean, none of them have really elite wide receivers, but they got, you know, Garrett Wilson over at the Jets. Uh, Corey Davis has had success in the past. He might be. I mean, we're not supposed to look into the future, but you got Elijah Moore was not terrible as a rookie. I mean, depending on how strict you want to be, we might beat the Bears twice and that's it. We have two wins by the end of the season because... Everybody else kind of just has better group than us. You know, Kenny Galladay with the Giants, not terrible. Kadarius Toney, if he could ever find his way back to the football field, is actually quite good as a rookie. I mean, I, I don't, is that the criteria? Is that all we're doing is looking at wide receivers? Because in that case, you're right. We, we, I don't know if we get to six. Now, if we look beyond wide receiver, you could possibly, and we're getting a little crazy here, but for example, week one against the Vikings. Better quarterback as the Packers, better running back duo. You know, Dalvin, maybe you could argue is better. Although I, even at this point, I'm not sure that's true. He gets more yards because he gets 500,000 more carries, but whatever. We'll call that a wash. Vikings have better wide receivers, but the Packers have a better offensive line, better defensive line, better linebackers, better corners, better, maybe better safeties, better football team, better coach. Bears, it's a joke. Tampa's a very good team, although the Packers have a better defense, I would say. I know they did have a good defense in the past, but it got a little worse last year, and then they lost some additional pieces. Um, they got a good group of linebackers, although Devin White is massively overrated. His grades over three years, 51, 48, and 35 this past year, so that's not super great. Um, but, you know, he's fast and stuff. Uh, decent group of corners. Not sure where they stack up with the Packers. Uh, Packers have a better defensive line, in my opinion. They have Shaq Baird, who gets a lot of sacks, but he's not as good as as our guy. Vita Vea might be better than... Um, Kenny Clark, but otherwise they don't really have much else. So, I mean, it, it, it's close. It's close. Packers have a better team than the Patriots. They have a better team than the Giants. They have a better team than the Jets. They have a better team than Washington. Um, Buffalo, again, I've talked about Buffalo. I, you know, I, I understand they're a very, very good team. They're a very formidable team. Um, very high-quality quarterback. Is he as good as Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. It's, it's a horse apiece. Wide receivers, better team would be probably Buffalo. Offensive line, I would say, is the Packers. Better running back, probably, depending on what happens with James Cook, I would say Packers. Better defensive line, Von Miller is very, very good. Overall defensive line, though, I'm going Packers. Corners, I'm going Packers. Linebackers, I'm going Packers. Safeties, probably Buffalo. So wide receiver safety, Buffalo. Linebacker, defensive line, corner, offensive line, Packers. Running back, Packers. Tight end, it's kind of close, to be honest. But, you know, yeah, maybe maybe we don't win that game. That's entirely possible. Detroit, we have a better roster. Dallas, we have a better quarterback. 
Offensive line, they've got some really good players, but I think they have an overrated offensive line because things are kind of going sideways. They, they still have um, Tyron Smith, who is still somehow a freak. Now, he's been kind of fluctuating up and down. He had a very good year last year, but that was his first really good year since like 2016. So we'll see what happens here. But again, the guy's 500 million years old. Zach Martin is one of the greatest, like just legitimately. I mean, you want to talk about an underrated guy. He's like a historically great offensive lineman. Everybody understands that. I just don't think we realize how freaking good the guy is. But even he's pushing 32. And again, we're not doing much to really replace anybody. So, um, you know, things are not going great. We got Tyler Biotish, who's not great at center. And then we've got some guy named Steele at right tackle. I don't know that the Packers don't have a better offensive line. Those two guys, Smith and Martin, beyond elite. Outside of that, lots of question marks. But corners... Everybody loves Diggs, 80th ranked cornerback with a 58 overall grade because he got a bunch of picks, but I'm taking the Packers corners. Defensive line, I'm taking the Packers defensive line. Linebackers, they've got Parsons, but Parsons is a pass rusher. As far as linebackers go, Packers. Safeties, Packers. Packers have a better football team. Packers have a better defense. On paper, right, and again, it's largely because I expect the Dallas defense to fall apart because it's all based on like three guys. Diggs got a million picks. He won't do that again. Parsons had an elite rookie season. Maybe he repeats it. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. I feel like it was one of those things where he, they threw a curveball where you've got a linebacker that's primarily a pass rusher and nobody knows how to handle that. Give teams a year to figure out how to neutralize Parsons. And then Lawrence is just a great pass rusher. But that's about it. And yeah, they've got a group of wide receivers, but they lost one of them. Uh, Gallup is good, but he's not great. He ranked 37th. I mean, he's basically like a slightly better Alan Lazard. And then CeeDee Lamb was 8th. So C.D. Lamb, good wide receiver. Dak Prescott, or excuse me, Ezekiel Elliott, massively overrated running back. Tennessee, we already looked at. Packers have a better roster. Eagles, Packers have a better roster. Bears, Packers have a better roster. Rams, I mean, again, they got Cup, but after Cup, garbage. Which, by the way, pause. I'm looking forward to the media talking about the Rams the same way they have talked about the Packers for the last five years, about how they need to get Stafford some help. Because who do they have? Can you can you even name the wide receivers? I'm curious. Just off the top of your head, can you do it? Robinson and Jefferson. Do you know their first names now that I told you their last names? Allen Robinson and Van Jefferson. Well, they got Allen Robinson. That's a great get. Yeah, 66th overall wide receiver last year. He's, he's so good. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're not going to get trashed because they went out and got a big-name guy in free agency. Although the Packers did too, but that doesn't count. The Packers' big guy doesn't count because... He gets hurt, and Robinson played like garbage, but that doesn't count because he was good for a little while. I don't, I don't know the rules behind this, but somehow Robinson's going to be great, and um, probably because they paid him way too much money. But yeah, we have a better quarterback. Um, they might have a better offensive line. They have a better wide receiver. Um, they have one good corner. I think we have better cornerbacks. We have way better pass rushers. If you look at just defensive line, as in defensive tackles, probably give it to them just based on Aaron Donald alone. But they've also got Robinson and Gaines, who are fine. Uh, linebackers, I think the Packers have better. They did get Bobby Wagner, but Bobby Wagner is not, you know, this isn't 2016 anymore. And then safeties, again, I give it to the Packers. So overall, do the Packers have a better team? I think we do. Dolphins are a joke. They get tons of hype, but they're a joke. Um, and then we'd already talked about the Vikings and the Lions. So, you know, Tampa's close. Buffalo's close. LA's close, but you know what? We know that. Everybody understands that. It's the reason why the Packers and the Rams and Tampa and, uh, you know, teams like that are seen as like the upper tier. Buffalo, these are like the upper tier 
playoff caliber teams and teams like the Lions and the Vikings and the Dolphins and the Bears and the Eagles and the, you know, few of these other teams are kind of seen as maybe a, a tier below. You know why? Because of the quality of the rosters. This isn't a hot take. This is just what it is. This is what everybody acknowledges. Go look at Vegas. I mean, if you look at Super Bowl odds, it's plus 500 for the Green Bay Packers, which is tied with the Rams. The only team in the NFC that's higher is Tampa Bay. Teams that are higher in the AFC, the Chiefs and the Bills. By the way, Chiefs, you got to be kidding me. How about teams that we play that have lesser odds, which is weird because we don't have Devontae. I don't understand this, but um, apparently there some people out there believe that these are not as good as teams. Teams like, you know, Dallas at plus 750 or the Eagles at plus 1,400, the Vikings plus 2,000, Commanders plus 2,500, Chicago Bears plus 5,000, the Giants plus 5,000, the Lions plus 6,600. How about the Jets Jets plus 6,600, Patriots plus 2,000, Dolphins plus 1,400, Titans 1,400? That's weird because these are all teams that we play, and, and they don't have as good odds as the Green Bay Packers do, which again, doesn't really make sense because they're better than we are and we're not going to beat them because of one wide receiver. And again, I I hate to keep saying the same thing over and over again, but what's our record without Devontae again? Not saying we're a better team without Devontae, but what's our record without Devontae again? And I'm sorry, you can call it a small sample size if you want to, but I'm not buying it. You cannot take any team that is garbage and show me them winning seven games. Out of seven games, winning seven. That does not happen. Terrible, terrible, terrible teams do not go 7-0 and accidentally. And, you know, the crazy thing about it is everybody's like, well, he's just trying to get attention and all this stuff. Maybe he is, but I think he really thought that this was an intelligent thought. He really, and then listening to them try to explain their, their thought process, you know, well, the way that they operate is, you know, it's all about Devontae so that they can open it up for Aaron Jones. It's like, what do they do now? And then Adam Ray comes in and is like, no, 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 no. They actually run the ball a ton. It's like, D- uh, I don't know about that. You're 17th in rushing attempts, so I don't think that's necessarily true. So again, it's like e- even when they're trying to make their case, they don't know what they're talking about. So it, it's entirely plausible to me that this isn't just about attention. This is just about having no idea what you're talking about. And again, th- this is... This is why I don't mind when they have stupid opinions because they're going to get exposed for being stupid because they've had the wrong opinion about this team the whole time. And so it makes sense, right? I mean, the, the team can't win a Super Bowl because they don't have a, a, a group of wide receivers, right? I don't know how they've explained the team being really, really good despite not having wide receivers because apparently the team should have been terrible because we just had Devontae. But now that we lost Devontae, now things are really going to spiral out of control. Because there's nothing more important than wide receiver except quarterback, but even in this case, we have to overlook it because we lost a wide receiver and quarterback doesn't even matter. Like Aaron Rodgers doesn't even trump that fact. But it's just it's just the next logical conclusion. The biggest issue with the Packers has always been wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. It's been this psychotic obsession by the media, and we lose a wide receiver, and now they've just we've reached the the apex of of the craziness. This, this is unbelievable. I mean, it, it reminds me of that time. And this just is stuck in my head for whatever reason. But I remember the Dallas Cowboys had the worst 32nd ranked defense in the league. And they had a premier pass rusher, like the best pass rusher in all of football. And he left. And the, the conversation was, is this going to be the worst defense in NFL history? Because you were already the worst in football by a wide margin. And you had the number one pass rusher and he just left. Now you're screwed. Their defense actually got better. 
like significantly better. I don't, I don't, I'm not even saying that was a correlation. I'm just saying it, it, it reminds me of that. In their mind, that's how it is. Like th- this, this offense is trash, which again, that doesn't make any sense, but you have to go there in order for this stuff that they say to make sense. The offense is really underperforming. It's really not as, as good as it should be. It's really just kind of problematic. And then we lose Devontae. This team is done. They're cooked. It's over. Because if you see it as a good offense and you lose Devontae, I don't know how you get to they're not going to win eight games. Because then you start taking what Adam Rank says, for example, and, and looking at, well, he's got a great rapport with Alan Lazard, who's probably just going to see an uptick in targets because his number one target is gone. And those same amount of throws are just going to get distributed. But I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and try to defend the whole thing. But um, again, I, I really appreciate when the media does this stuff. Everybody seems to get mad. And it's like, why do you even give them the time of the time of day? Because I love it. I love it. They're going to say stupid stuff, and it's on record for every, forever and for everyone. And when the Packers get more than eight wins, we can call him an idiot for the rest of eternity. And anytime he's got a Green Bay Packers hot take, we can throw this right back in his face every single time. Because I'm telling you, pending an Aaron Rodgers injury, I see no way that this happens. But anyways, I got to get going. I'm, I'm way over time here. I spent too much time clipping together those movie clips. <laughs> You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.